Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rimble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. We'd like to welcome everybody this evening uh, to this service. We're going to look at one of the commandments that the Lord God gave to us according to the feast. The feast is called Sukkot or Sukkot, depending again as to where you may have uh, been raised uh, and taught throughout your lifetime. I've heard both of those used. In fact, uh, I was taught that it was Sukkot instead of Sukkot, but it's the it's the feast anyway of tabernacles. 
for the Feast of Booths. And we want you to understand how important this is for God to tell you and I that we need to keep that. And so we're going to investigate that this evening, and we just pray that you have an understanding. Because what this is all about in the way of serving God is to get ourselves in a position to be blessed by God. And you know when God tells us, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Uh, bless God, he blesses us if we'll do what he tells us to do. And, of course, what we're after is to teach you. You know, again, these blessings are in my life. They're in Donna's life. And if we can teach you, uh, people say, oh, you don't need that anymore today. This is the Old Testament. Well, you need to listen closely. We've got a lot of the CDs now on the table that, bless God, will teach you depths about this thing called the Word of God or the Law or the Ten Commandments, all right? So some of us think the Ten Commandments have left. Well, the Ten Commandments haven't left. Bless God, they haven't gone anywhere. What we have is we have a mighty God that's in the business of, bless God, uh, giving to us blessings if we will adhere unto what he's telling us to adhere unto. And, of course, if we don't, then, bless God, uh, you know, it just isn't going to work. So, anyway, let's let's turn to Leviticus 23, and that's where we're going to start this evening. And, and again, we want to thank each and, one of, each and every one of you that has come out the uh, May God bless you for your attendance and your time. Now, Leviticus 23, 34, we're going to start there. Actually, in 33, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be an holy convocation. Now, that word just simply means meeting. So there will be a holy meeting on the first day of, uh, of tabernacles or Sukkot, or Sukkot, however you want to pronounce that. And uh, so we're to have a holy, and you shall do no several work therein. So there's to be a Sabbath. There's a Sabbath on the first day. See, a lot of people don't understand that there is the Sabbath, which comes on Friday night at sundown until Saturday night at sundown, was a commandment of the Lord God that we were to keep that throughout our generations for a perpetual covenant unto him, that it would show that we, we belong to him, all right? But there are other Sabbaths, and this is another Sabbath, if you will. So let's go on. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no several work therein. So there's a Sabbath at the end of, of that uh, uh, time of tabernacles, all right? Uh, of course, now, the people ask me every once in a while, well, what about this, uh, doing this sacrifice before? Well, we're, we're not into that. Uh, Yeshua came, and he became that sacrifice for us once and for all for our sins. So there isn't any reason. Now, let me, let me stop here for just a minute, because I think it's important to insert this. You know, a lot of people believe that, bless God, that the old covenant, they call it. And, and you know, that, that was never called the old covenant by God. That's something that the Christians have come up with and call it the Old Covenant, then the New Covenant, which just simply means after Yeshua, the Messiah, Mashiach, has come. But I, I want you to understand something about all this, that God God never in any way, shape, or form meant for us not to realize what he's doing here. Now, when God gave unto his children, and this is given to his children, when he gave these things, as a, bless God, these commandments, the, the law, if you want to call it, bless God, or however you want to deem that, he gave that to us to be able for us to be blessed. In other words, if we'll do what he tells us to do, he's going to bless us. Now, the thing with the covenant, now I want to talk, and we've got a whole series over there. I don't know how many hours goes with that, but uh, if you're interested and you haven't, you need to study that. That's uh, one of those studies that you can uh, be ongoing. You can do that study and start it, and you can go back and do it over and over again. Every six months or so, I'm sure it'll feed you anew every time. But in, in essence, what I want you to understand about this is that, that when God made a covenant with Noah, he, then he made one with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he made one with Moses, all right? As, in other words, this covenant of the Lord God's is a, a covenant that has moved on. What we don't understand is Jesus Christ, Yeshua, was a continuance of the covenant. And if you'll begin to think of that in that manner, you understand. Now, what the church has taught us, is that he was not only, but he was the end of the covenant. No, he was just a continuation of the covenant. In other words, he came, did what he did to fulfill what the law couldn't do, all right? So he became, he became that sacrifice for us for our sin. So if, if, and, and the covenant is still continuing. And again, if you want to 
do that study, and uh, you need to. If you're open and you're teachable, you need to go back and grab onto that series, and you need to get into that thing and eat of it uh, day in and day out for quite some time and learn. And so this was just all part of this. But, again, we're not into sacrifice before and all this, So, but we're going to read this because it's part of it. 37, these are the feasts of the Lord which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, again, holy meetings, to offer offering made before unto the Lord, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, drink offering, everything upon, upon his day, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside all your free will offering, which ye shall give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. Again, first day, last day, Sabbath, no work. And ye shall take, and ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of thick trees, willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year, and it will be a statute. Now listen. Forever in your generations, you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now, it's important, again, to understand that he is saying here that you're going to take these boughs of these trees, you're going to take the palms, the, the branches of the palm trees, uh, and bless God, you're going to do what? In the willows of the brook, and you're going to make yourself, if you will, a, a, a home. Actually, it's just going to be a booth. All right, that's the reason it was called uh, Tabernacle, uh, Feast of Tabernacle, or the Feast of Booths, all right? Uh, and you're going to do that. And, and 41 says, and you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord uh, seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generation may know that I am the that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Now it's really important for you to go back here and grasp onto this thing about the second verse, forty-two. It says, "Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born." Now. I think it's important that, that we try to straighten some things out as we go along our way in this thing. The Messianic movement uh, has got two ways of thinking about a number of different things here. But one of the things that uh, we're kind of caught up in that we not, uh, don't need to kind of, but we need to get out of, is understanding who is and who isn't an Israelite. All right, Who, who is and who isn't? Uh, you know, the, the Jew, the, the tribe of Judah, the small tribe of the Benjamites and the Levites, which call themselves Jews today, um, by the way, the Scripture says that they will first come back to Israel, and they will set up, they will set a state up, and they did that. Now, uh, the, the other ten lost tribes, which we're representing as Ephraim, is going to go home and occupy the land just like God promised us in the Scripture. And that's really what I'm all about with this thing. But what I want you to grasp onto and begin and begin to realize that when God brought this stuff about, uh, He wrote, and you, I'm not going to take time to go back to it. You can take your concordance and you can find, bless God, that He said that if any stranger come into your camp, into whose camp, the Israeli camp, or the the the, the camp of the, of the Israelites, anybody that came into that camp and would keep the festivals, would keep the Ten Commandments, would keep Sabbath, would keep New Moon, he said, then they shall be kept as and known as Israelites, and they will receive all the blessings as as the children of Israel uh, receives. So, so you know, we've got such a big thing going on today of people trying to decide who is and who isn't. Well, I don't think I'm a Jew. No, we're not worried about whether you're a Jew or not. I mean, if you want to find out, that's fine. You can go take DNA and I'm, get a DNA test, and I'm sure that there will be ways to find it out. But what we're interested in, what we're interested in is, to, is those ten lost tribes, those ten tribes that went north, okay? That's what we're interested in. We are interested in them. We're interested in those people that bless God, that have this thing in their heart that jumps Every time that those ten lost tribes are mentioned, when the word Ephraim comes up, 
Those are the people that we're, that we're seeking toward together, okay? But what I want you to understand, that the, the word Israelite or Israelites is all the 12 tribes plus uh, the Levites, which was the priesthood, okay, that made up the Kohanim. Now, if in fact you have a problem with that, you need to get that straightened out. But I realize in the infancy, and that's what this is all about, of beginning together, these ten lost tribes together, to get them together, get everybody on the same page, get everybody keeping these feasts, keeping that bless God new moon, keeping the Sabbath, keeping the commandments, and understanding this thing to ready them for the time when we're going to go back to Israel. Why? Because we're promised to go back to Israel. In fact, it, it, God says that he would scatter us. He did that. And then he would bring us back together, and he's now doing that. Now, the end of the matter is is to take, once again, those ten tribes that he the Lord God Yahweh himself spread across to the four corners of this earth, not to be known by the tongue that they spoke, nor the colors, the color of their skin. And now the, the end of the matter, according to the, the Bible, the Scripture says that he will bring once again Ephraim home, and Ephraim will do what? Come in, come in allegiance, uh, a league once again with, with Judah, and we together will become, the Bible says, one stick. So that's what this is about. But you know and I know in order to do this, we can't just run over there and say, well, here we are. So that's the reason I say, keep saying over and over again, you, there are certain things you're going to need to know. There are certain things you need to start practicing here and get down and, and become blessed to God. Because, again, your, your existence on this earth, brothers and sisters, is going to come down to the, to the covenant. And I know that there's oh, there's a people all over this country would like to you know like to shout and jump up and down and and shout me down as they say over saying something like that. But and and I realize we're not going to know whether that's the truth or it's not the truth until the time comes. But the time's going to come. We're coming into some hard times. We're coming into plagues. We're coming into all kinds of the things that I have prophesied for years is beginning to unfold here in the United States and across this this world. So the fact of it is we're not in a position or in a place of trying to get ourselves, you know, wrapped up into a thing and, and, and bless God saying, oh, this is just a cute little ga game that we're playing. No, this this is life and death, blessings and cursings, all right? And in order for you and your family to survive the things that are coming while we're still here and and after we go over there, after we go home, all right, back to our land, then we're going to have to, bless God, received and to walk in this stuff and understand how it works and be working it. It's just that simple. Well, let's go. Let's go to the book of Exodus now, the book of Exodus, and uh, let's see. We're going to Exodus 34, and we're going to look at some scriptures here. Exodus 34. I'll get myself back there. There we go. 34. We're going to do two scriptures here. 22, and. Uh, and, and 23, it says, And thou shalt observe the, the feast of weeks for the first fruits of the wheat far, harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Thrice in the year shall all your, your men children appear before the Lord your God and uh, God, the God of Israel. Now, that just simply means, now, you can't do that now. There's no temple there. Uh, three times a year, all the males were to gather themselves during three different feasts, and this was one of them, to come and bless God, be before the Lord God. Well, we're before the Lord God as, as we do what we do through Yeshua and by the power of the Rehokadesh, the Holy Ghost. And, and again, uh, there's no way to uh, even think that we need to go back. There's no temple to go to, not at this time. Now, somebody says, well, what are we going to do later? Well, I, you know, I don't know about later. I just know right now where we're at, not to be concerned about the laters, Let's take care of business where it's at right now today. Let's go to Second Chronicles, if you will. Second Chronicles. Of course, that's the first Chronicles, and then we get into good old Second Chronicles, and we're going to do Second Chronicles, uh, Second Chronicles eight. So if you'll turn there, Second Chronicles eight, and we're going to do twelve and thirteen. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch even after a certain rate every day, offering according to the commandment of Moses, on the Sabbath, on the new moons, and on the solemn feast, three times in the year, in the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So there it's put forth with those three festivals that, that God deemed to be so important. And, and, and I'm going to tell you what, we're going to get into this in a few minutes, and you're going to see why that this is so important. Uh, there's, oh, there's a lot of guesswork. 
the thing uh, the people guess them well when will Messiah come back now I'm going to say this uh, according to what I know and which I have been in this for lots and lots of years I realized something a long time ago that every important event that ever has happened and I believe I'll put this this statement in now or ever will happen will happen during one of these uh, one of these feasts or one of these festivals and because it has in the past and we're not going to go down through those I have laid out some of that stuff in some of the other uh, festivals that I have done uh, things that have taken place in time and history but uh, the fact of it is and I'm going to show you that uh, there's uh, maybe a great chance that during this this festival the, the festival of of, of uh, a booth or the festival of, of tabernacles or Sukkot, Sukkot again it may be called. But and 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 when you saw him, you think about that. Well, when did he come the first time? Well, you know, uh, a prophet he came uh, during the you know the the time of of, of Sukkot, Sukkot. Now that's exactly right. Now, wouldn't it be something that he would just come back again? Now we're going to get some. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but we're going to get to some scriptures. That's going to help you. But right now, let's go back and let's go to Deuteronomy 16. Understand a little bit more of that. Deuteronomy 16:13, And it says here, Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days after thou hast gathered thy corn and thy wine. Now, and you see, that comes just perfectly because the fact that it is, it is a gathering, the, the, you know, all the stuff that, that you planted, it's in the fall. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant, the maidservant, the, the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. So, in other words, nobody's going to be left out. Seven days thou shalt keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord hath shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy increase, and in all thy works of thy hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Now, this is really neat, okay, because... Again, folks, the Jews found this out a long, long, long time ago. If they don't do anything else, they keep the feast. And the reason they keep the feast, there's promises involved in this. That's the reason I've said over and over and over, bless God, the Jews are the healthiest and the wealthiest people in the world, and it just isn't because they're Jews. It's because they observe this stuff, they keep it, and it works. Now, now, what did what did we just what did we just read here? And I, I think it's so exciting. It says that because he says in that fifteenth verse, he says, "Because the Lord shall bless thee in all thine increase, and in all thy the work of thy hands." In other words, everything you do, everything you plant, whether it's you know spiritual or whether it's physical. Is going to he's going to add to that he's going to he's going to bless it and he's going to bring it forth and he says and the work of your hands whatever you do with your hands whatever you're building with your hands physically or spiritually the Lord God is going to do what he's going to bless that now folks you can't beat anything other than the promises of God for our lives now you now when you stop and think about this and I hope I hope that some of you are already thinking about it but I pray that by the time we're done here this evening. That bless God that you begin to to really understand that bless God here we are knocking around trying to think that we don't need any of this stuff and yet all these promises are in here all you got to do is keep it you don't have a a solemn assembly the first day have a call it, a, it is a call a Shabbat or a Sabbath and no several work on that day no several work on the eighth day and bless God and another solemn assembly. Now you say, well, you know, I'm not where I can do that. Well, then we're gonna we're gonna help you out at the end of this by giving you scriptures, and you just simply you and your family can sit down and simply go through this thing, and that's what we're gonna that's what we'll do so that you understand. You can have a solemn assembly just between you and your family, all right? If in fact uh, that's what you want to do, so so you don't have to say, well, I can't do this, I can't do I can't. Uh, you know, I learned back when I was in the third grade, can't can't do anything, and that, and we want you to grasp onto that today. I mean, tonight, and, and uh, let's God produce that. Now, the 16th verse, the 16th verse goes on to say here, it says, Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and they shall not appear, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. So, God is also opening up another door. Now, you know, 
there's one thing about Christianity that, that I think that we went to seed on, as we seem to go to seed about everything, and that's not just Christians, that's Jews alike. But the fact of it is, there are certain things you can do to be blessed. Just that, there, there's certain automatic blessings that will come. Keeping, uh, bless God, the Feast of Tabernacles is automatic blessings. There's blessings, again, as to whatever you do will be increased. Whatever you put your hands to, God will bless so, so th- those blessings are there now. When it came down to this, says they won't come empty. In other words, they're going to they're going to multiply back. So during this time of feast is a great time to give give the, the, your offerings, bless God, unto the Lord your God, as to whatever storehouse you're being fed out of, and, and or whatever ministry is feeding you to be, uh, to put it in terminology of today. So you want to, you, but you want to remember these things. How do I? How do we know that this works? Well, again, until you go work it, you won't know. Donna and I have known for years, and we begin to keep these things. I had known to keep these things. You know, we saw a definite change in the way we were being blessed by God, and that's what that's what we're after for your lives. You know, try it, bless God. You're going to find out that if you put all this together, the whole puzzle will come together. In other words, that the Sukkot is just a piece of that puzzle, all right? And But there's other pieces. And once you get all this thing put together, and you begin to serve the Lord God, as the covenant tells us to do, and you become a covenant person with the Lord God, you covenant to the Lord God, then you're going to find something out that, bless God, that a lot of people that have been into Christianity all their lives are finding out, that you can be blessed beyond anything you ever dreamed of. God will bless you above and beyond because what? The Word of God is real. It's quick. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But when you keep it, you, you cause. If you could just see you cause it to come alive and go forth into your lives and into your families and produce those blessings. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing that I know of on this earth like it. Let's go to Deuteronomy 31, and we'll get to some scripture there. We're going to do 31, uh, starting in the 10th verse. 31.10, and it says, actually, let's go back up to the ninth verse. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of the Levite, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years is the solemnity of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles. So now listen to this. Every, the seventh year is a time, it's a set time of the year of release. When all of Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he has chosen, thou shalt read this law before all of Israel. In their hearing, gather the people together, men, women, and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. And that their children, which have not known anything, May hear and learn to fear the Lord the God as long as you live in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. So what he's saying is you you come together, you understand that it's very important. See, everything that I can understand about what we call the law, uh, the covenant, is is to remind us. It's, it's reminding. That the thing that the Jew has always uh, done so well is they have reminders. They, that's the reason they wear a kepa or a, a skull cap or a head covering, is to remind them that there's a God over them. The reason they wear the tassels is to remind them of the covenant, of the law. The reason that, bless God, that they do the things they do is remember. God is always saying, remember. Remember when you came out of Egypt. And that's really what this thing with tabernacles is all about, is for us to remember. Now, I'm going to prophetically add some things here at this point in time. I believe the importance of tabernacles for us in this generation is to get us to understand that, bless God, that we're going to have to learn to live. There's going to come time when things are going to get tough enough that we're going to have to learn to live in booths. We're going to have to learn to live and makeshift whatever we can do for, for, for covering uh, for us and our families. Now, today, uh, now a lot of people ask me, well, you know, when you, when you have, you know, when you have tabernacles, do you go out and cut down trees? No, we don't do that because, you know, in state forest today, they're just not going to allow you to do those things. So what we have done is we've just simply told people to make it easy for them. I mean, you know, God's not, this isn't burdensome. 
God is trying to make this thing easy enough that people can understand it. And what God is really trying to do here is just get you involved in it. So we're telling people, you know, bring a tent. Uh, bless God, if, you, if you've if you got a camper, bring a camper. It's something different once you're used to living in, then, then that's fine. And, we, and again, you're not going to hear me kick if, if you bring the Taj Mahal, as I call, or the Hilton Hotel on wheels. Uh, that's fine. Uh, the, the, the key is to observe and to do this festival. That's, that's the key to this, to understand that there is something that God is training us toward. It is to remember when we wandered around, when we, the children of Israel, wandered around 40 years out in that wilderness, and we did wander around. And bless God, it, in other words, and you know something? Every year at the end of Tabernacles, I'm saying, thank God for my bed. Thank God for my house. Thank God for this, and thank God for that. What that's about? So we can be appreciative. You know, folks, especially here in America, we're not very appreciative of, of very much that we have. We're, you know, we're, bless God, we're, we're really, you know, we've got ourselves in such a position that, that you know, we want more, we got to have more, and whatever was nice. My dad used to always say, you know, there's a difference of what you want and what you need. And, uh, boy, I'm, as the age I am now, I'm starting to see more and more of that uh, come to life and to be so much true in the generations that's even below me. Well, let's now go to, to, to the book of Zechariah. This, this book here, folks, I'm, you know, it just thrills me to know that God backs up his word. Amen. So we're going to start out here, and what I want to do is start in Zechariah 14, and we're going to start in the first verse, all right? It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. And thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. And I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses raffled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of the battle. Now, this is a time to come, all right? But we are at the very doorstep of this. You know, uh, folks, again, the exciting thing about the time in which we live, we're watching this all unfold before us. This isn't something that's 19, 20 generations down the road somewhere. This is something that's unfolding right before our eyes in the very lifetime in which we live. This, in other words, is this? Going, yes, this is going to take place. We're going to see this take place or hear of it taking place. Fourth verse says, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave to the mist thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall be removed toward the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal, yea, Ye shall flee like as fled from the before the earthquake in the days of Uriah, Uzziah, I'm sorry, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass that day that the light shall be clear and not dark. So he's talking about the fact that the Lord is going to come. One foot in the Mount of Olives, the other foot on the mount, which is Jerusalem, itself the temple site, and he is going to come. It says, But it shall be one day that shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go forth out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half toward the hinder sea. In summer, in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In the day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. Now that's again. He will come, and he is going to be what? He is going to be Lord over all the earth. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate and to the place of the first gate and to the cover gate and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. And the men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited promises from God. So after this great and terrible thing that's going to take place and, and all of the parts of Jerusalem is going to be raffled and, and bless God, half the city will be, be gone, uh, then the Lord God's going to come, set it all up, everything's going to be safe. And this shall be the plague wherein the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Now listen, there's a plague that's going to come. If you fought against Jerusalem, their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet and their eyes shall consume away, and their holes and their tongue consume away in their mouths. Now, 
What do you suppose that sounds like? Well, there's no doubt what that sounds like. That's that's nuclear energy. That's a nuclear fire. Uh, your skin's going to, you know, absolutely melt. The eyeballs are going to melt. That's going to be the end of that. Now it goes on 13. It shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and the, and the hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver apparel in great abundance. And so shall the plague of the, of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, of the ass, and all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from, from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, that's what I want you to underline, the 16th verse here. So there is going to be a time when all of the children of God, okay, it says that everyone shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you know, folks, uh, I have taught this for years, and it needs again to be said. The fact of it is, if there was the feast to be gone uh, done away with. In other words, if if these feasts were gone, let's just talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. When the Lord Yeshua came, and well, that was all the old covenant, and it passed away, you know, then what in the world is he going to come back and do? He's going to come back, and he's going to implement the very thing that Yahweh said that we would keep, now listen, throughout our generations forever and ever, which is a perpetual covenant that he made with us. In other words, it never ended. And here he's gone, he's coming back, and when he comes back and he sets his kingdom up, the first thing he's going to do here, he's going to implement the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, now listen to the rest of this. It goes on, that 70 verse, And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth into Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And when the family of Egypt go not up and come not, that that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherein the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of the Tabernacles. So what are you coming up to do during that time to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? Now, this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the fa uh, Feast of the Tabernacles. So, folks, any way you want to cut this thing, uh, you're, <laughs> you're not going to get away from, from keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, some of you folks that say, well, I don't believe I'm going to be around when that happens. Well, maybe not, you know, maybe not. But let's look at it this way. Your place and what God has always set us to do is to do what? Teach. We are to teach our children. We're to teach them when they get up in the morning. Bless God, when they go along the way, when they go to bed at night, we are to teach them the things of God. So it's our place to be certain that, bless God, that we invest our time wisely with our children and our children's children by teaching them the depths of God's uh, holy word. Folks, this is in the depths of the thing. When you Again, when you examine this thing and you look at this thing, it gets downright, it gets downright scary to think, how could the church have missed this? Well, it's easy to know how the church missed it. The church was blinded to a certain extent. We did what we were, the church was called to bring forth, bless God, those uh, and, uh, to be saved by the blood of Yeshua. And bless God, we we did that. The church, I think, did a did a bang up job with that. Again, the problem of it is we didn't get all of it. We we just we picked, we chose, and we threw this out, and we threw that out. And now God's requiring it all of us, and somebody's got to be able to go back into this thing and begin to teach this thing so people can begin to understand. So I don't think there's any of you in the room tonight that can't understand that. Bless God, that we definitely are going to keep. If you're not going to keep it now, okay, but when he comes back, you're going to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and you know, I said before, I've got, and this is just a guess, you know, and I've, you know, being a prophet, people want me to, well, that saith the mouth of God all the time. Well, it doesn't work that way anyway, but, but this is a guess. But what I would guess is that probably he's going to come back on the Feast of Tabernacles because evidently that's going to be a great time of celebration. And if it's a great time of celebration, then it's going to be celebrating something that, bless God, that has happened, all right? Uh, and, and that's, again, it's a guess, but I think, I think it's a fair guess. I, I think, as far as I'm concerned, that's exactly the way it's going to happen. 20th verse, In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord, 
And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the, the, the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah uh, shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them, and seeth not therein. Now, and in that day there shall be no more the, the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. In other words, nothing but holiness. Nothing but the children of Almighty God. And again, the exciting thing for, for us as children of God, for us as the lost tribes of Israel, Ephraim, to come back together and begin to show this. And, and you know, I've said over and over and over again, it's not hard for me to understand. You know, the Christians, they were going to be, they always talked about how the, we, as Christians, were, we were going to provoke the Jews to jealousy. No, that's not going to provoke them to jealousy. Uh, what's going to provoke them to jealousy is Ephraim coming home, okay, uh, the prodigal son, if you will. In fact, you know, that's what Jesus was talking about. Yeshua, when he talked about the prodigal, that was Ephraim. And bless God, when we come home, Judah's not going to be happy about it. Not at all, because we're going to walk right in, and what are we going to do? We're going to through the name and the power, uh, the power structure of the name of Yeshua, what he came, what he did, uh, bless God, and working miracles, uh, you know, we're going to turn this thing, this world upside down. And they're going to stand back and look like they're pretty insignificant within themselves, and that's going to cause a lot of jealousy. But, uh, you know, God's got that worked out anyway. Amen? Amen. Let's go to John 7, the book of John, the book of John 7, the 7th chapter. All right, 7th chapter and 37. The book of John 7:37 and it says there, in the last day that great that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now what's he talking about here? He's talking about but this spake 39, let's go on. Spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost has not yet come, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, when you connect all this, and you go back over into uh, where we came out of in the book of Zechariah, and you begin to realize that this thing here, this thing, this holiness thing, you know, this holiness thing right here at the end of this thing is so important, because when he gets to talking in here, he gets talking about the fact that in that day, the 21st, back in Zechariah 14, there will be upon bells of horses holiness unto the Lord. So it's going to be what? It's going to be us being able to bring the spiritual side of this thing into the into a place where the Lord God is going to be glorified to the utmost. I mean, absolutely glorified to the utmost. Those of us that bless God that the Lord God has chosen. And I'm going to tell you something. There are those on this earth right now that are chosen of God to be doing certain things. Is it going to be contrary to what we know as religion? You bet it's going to be contrary. But wasn't Mashiach, wasn't Yeshua himself, contrary to the religion of that day? See, I, the first one of the first prophecies, if not the first prophecy, that I gave when I got out into ministry was the Lord God appeared by the angel, and the angel said unto me, you prophesy, you tell the people that they didn't know Yeshua when he came the first time as Mashiach, the Messiah. And for the most part, the church isn't going to know him when he comes again. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you what. When I started prophesying that as a young pup out here in the ministry, I was, you know, if they could have taken me out back and stoned me to shut me up, they would have done it because that that was not at all complete and completely contrary to all the things that the Christianity was about. Was to say, oh my, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know. But you know, as I've done this thing on transition through the years about how God has transitioned, moving things forward to the time that we're at now, the uh, purpose and, uh, and intent of God is to keep giving us knowledge, revelation knowledge, if you will. And when you get to the point that we're at now, bless God, we are at a point now, and now it's easy for me to look back and say, oh, now I understand that. Are you saying, prophet, is there things that you prophesy at times that you don't understand? Let me tell you something. There's more I prophesy that I don't understand than I do understand. And I don't think that's ever going to change. But I do know this, that bless God, as they begin to unfold, I'm able to take the pieces that God gives me at different times. I'm beginning to say, oh, yeah, that goes here. Or, yeah, that, that goes there. And that, that belongs over here. Or, that belongs over there. And I'm going to tell you what. It's exciting when all this stuff comes together, and, and we just we're the ones upon whom the ends are written, folks. And there isn't any, there's no way to get out of this thing. Why? 
because there is real revelation knowledge coming. And as I said, you never heard anybody minister to you out of the book of Zechariah talking about the, the Feast of Tabernacles, which, bless God, that we're commanded to keep, and we're going to keep, and, and we're going to keep when he comes back again, right? So we're fortunate that we're beginning to do what? We're beginning to come online here with this thing, and we're beginning to bless God to learn this stuff, and we're going to be ready for this. When he comes, we're going we're going to be keeping that. That's not going to be something different to us. Bless God, there's going to be rain on our land. Everything's going to work out for us. We're going to be blessed. We'll go up before the Lord God, and we will keep tabernacles. Why? Because it's the commandment. He said, you will keep it forever. Folks, the church just does not understand the word forever. When you go back and you look at that into Hebrew, it just goes on and goes on, never, never ending, okay? And that's where we made the mistake. Somehow, and I keep going back to those knuckleheads over in Rome that were not filled with the Holy Ghost, the Rahakadish, began to pick and choose what we were going to have for what we call the New Testament. And God only knows again what we, what we didn't get. You know, again, I keep over and over again, I keep saying, well, Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. Yeshua himself said, here, Peter, here's the keys to the kingdom. We get a few pages out of Peter and nothing else. We don't even know what the keys were. He didn't even give it. We didn't even know. We weren't even told what those keys were about. But now we're going to know. And I'm going to tell you what. I just can imagine if we could get a hold of those old writings today, we're going to find out that all those, those keys were wrapped around these festivals, wrapped around Shabbat. It was wrapped around New Moon. Okay, and I'm sure of that. But then the church wasn't going to let that happen. And, of course, it didn't. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't hold back. You can't beat back the things of God. When, when God decides he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Folks, in spite of you and I, in spite of the Pope, in spite of Christianity itself, this isn't about Christianity. It's about a living God that said, let there be light, that began to make rules, began to bless God to say, look, I'm going to make a covenant. If you'll keep the covenant with me, then I will bless you. I will bless your children, your children's children. But if you break the covenant, you'll become my enemy, and you will walk in the curses thereof that are already placed in the land if you break the covenant. Now, folks, that's exactly what happened to us. That's exactly where we walk today, and yet we stand around going, Duh, I can't understand why. Well, folks, it's not hard to, uh, if you'll just study and you'll begin to open up, just let your noggins get put in neutral for a little while, and just let your hearts begin to guide you. You'll find out this thing is uh, is going to explode in your life and anybody that will listen to it. Let's go to Ezra, and the book of Ezra, the third chapter, Ezra 3. And it says here, uh, the first verse, Ezra 3, 1, And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Zazadak, and his brethren the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and his brethren, and built the altars of the Lord of, of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases, for fear was upon them because the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon to the Lord their God, burnt offering morning and evening. The fourth verse says, They kept also the feast of tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom, as the duty of every day uh, required. Now, again... All this is going on, and of course you study study the book of Ezra and understand what was going on in their time. But again, how important was it to keep the feast of, of tabernacles? Very important, wasn't it? Well, and I and I got don't don't start thinking. Well, that you know, if I'm only going to keep something, keep that. No, no, no. That you you're going to learn to keep the feast. The other feasts are just as important. This is highlighting. And I'm sure that through this, what, I know what God was doing. He's setting us up. Folks, I'm here to tell you that this, this, the return of this Jew boy, Yeshua, the son of Almighty God himself, is coming back with an iron, a rod of iron. And he's going to, it says in the, in the scriptures, he is going to bring us, he's going to bring us with that rod of iron to the bond of the covenant. And that's exactly what he says. And I cover that, I think, a whole lot better than what I do about the everlasting covenant. Uh, on the CD series. But he's going to, in other words, he's there to drive us back to the covenant. Now, bless God, that covenant involves these feasts. And tabernacles just happens to be one of the feasts, all right? No less important and no more than important. Each one of these, each one of these feasts 
will produce for you and your family blessings. Now, if that's true, how much more will keeping Shabbat or Sabbath do? I'm telling you, that's where you, that, you know, when people say, well, where do you start? That's where you start. You start by teaching people how to keep Shabbat. You keep people, no one ever heard of New Moon until I, I think I've come along in the Christian community and begin to preach and teach on New Moon. It's a command. God says you will keep New Moon. And bless God, it's simple to keep New Moon. There's no big thing about keeping New Moon, but the key is to keep it. You want to be blessed by God, you bless God. What you have to do is keep those things which God says to keep. So, so that's, the, you know, that's what we're here about. But, but it's so interesting here again to see and to understand that even at that time, even at that time, the, the, the time of the year was there, and they kept tabernacles. Now let's go to Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah was just a few pages over in my Bible. Nehemiah 8, and we'll start in the 13th verse there. It says, it says, On the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests, the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. See, they were always going back. If you're a student... Of, of what we call the Old Testament, or the Tanakh in Hebrew, you'll understand that, bless God, that they kept the covenant, then they quit keeping it. And then somebody would come along that was seeking the face of God, and all of a sudden they would come up with this bright idea, we ought to keep the covenant. So they would set the people down, and they would teach them the law of Moses, what Moses brought from God, all right? So they could be blessed again, and they were blessed again after they did that. And that's really, that's really exactly what we had going on in, in all this thing. Now, it goes on the next one. It says, And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Now, there is the festival of booths. Uh, it's a covered shelter is what that word booths means here. Uh, what is tabernacles? And they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth into the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. What do you mean as it is written? It's a law. See, this, this is a law. It's a commandment. It's part of the covenant. You know, here God is saying, you know, if you, uh, we can't look at this through God's eyes. Don't, don't think I'm <laughs> where I think I can do that because that's not the truth. But but this is neat. But if, let's just sort of think for a moment what God must, when he sees all this stuff, he's saying, okay, boys and girls, I have given you complete health, complete prosperity. I've given you every increase of everything that you could dream of, uh, everything you put your hands to. I've done all this. And in turn, uh, here's here's just a few things I'm going to ask of you to do. Now, folks, come on. Let's grow up. Let's smarten up. Let's whatever we need to do. But let's think about this for a minute. God is saying, I will bless you with all this if you will do what I'm telling you to do. And we're out here trying to argue with God. Saying, and you know what I really think the church is saying? We've got all the blessings we need. We have Jesus. we got Yeshua. We don't need anything else. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If that was truth, then we would have that in the church. See, that's that's where I keep going back and banging and banging and banging on this thing, saying, look, every disease in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, starting after the 15th verse down through 68, is sitting next to you every Sunday morning. Those were the curses according to the book of Deuteronomy, which you call the Old Testament or the Tanakh. And I said, uh, uh, bless God, God says you don't have to be that way. That, that, now, now, who are we going to believe? Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe God, or are you going to believe whatever? Well, I'm going to tell you something. As far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to do what God tells us to do. Now, folks, if this was not working for me, then it would be a different story. But it does work for me. As far as Donna and I are concerned, all right, I know this isn't the truth, but as far as we're concerned, we're the most blessed people in the face of this earth. I know that it's not, you know, in essence the truth, but as for us, for our lives, for the way that we live, for who we are, we are blessed above and beyond. There's no imagination that can go go to the place where we live with God. Why is it? It's not because, bless God, that I'm a prophet. It's not, bless God, because I'm a Christian. It's not, bless God, because I'm full of the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. It isn't, bless God, that we see Yeshua, which would have been before the Holy Ghost and, and uh, receiving uh, Him. No, no, it's because we are covenant people. We found the covenant, and we said, yeah, just exactly the way Nehemiah, just exactly the way Ezra, just exactly the way we found 
that we must, if we keep the covenant, God will do what he said to do. Now, folks, it just ain't that tough, as they say, okay? So it's for some of you that are sitting here tonight, uh, again, relax. Don't get all, but people get so uptight. Well, how dare him? He's taking people in bondage under the wall. Well, I got news for you. If this is bondage, give me a whole bunch of it because it blesses the socks off of me and mine. And it'll bless the socks off of you and yours if you'll just sit down long enough and get religion. See, I keep saying people first need to be delivered from religion. If you're not, if you're not Ephraim, if you're Ephraim, your heart's ready. Now, we go all over this country. We start preaching Ephraim. I'm going to tell you, people start crying. Their hearts leap. And bless God, they come and say, we finally know who we are. And bless God, then there's the rest of them. Now, the Bible says that any time that they want to see, they'll see. Any time they want to hear, they'll hear. But they're going to have to have religion broken out of their lives to be able to get to this thing. And I know that. And some of them will. Uh, most of them won't. Because, again, this is the remnant. This this isn't all. All Christianity, folks, is not going to come into this thing. You are going to become, bless God, a, a real rare duck, if, if there's any such thing as that in what we do. Uh, bless God, in other words, you're going to be a laughingstock. You're going to be a spectacle. You're going to have people uh, talk all manner of evil against you. But did they not do that in the Messiah? Sure they did. Yeshua was talked about in all manner of evil, called Beel's above himself. So the fact of it is, if you're concerned about what other people think, I keep saying this isn't for the faint of heart, <laughs> okay? This is not for the faint of heart. You better understand what you're getting into here, because I'm going to tell you they're going to throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink, before this thing's over. So you got to know, and the only way to know is to do what? It's to study it. Bless God, just get into the thing and study it. Now, it goes on to say in the 15th verse, And that day should publish and proclaim all that their cities and Jerusalem, saying, Go forth to the mount, uh, fetch all as we went through that. 16th verse, So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in their courts of their house uh, of, of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation uh, congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and said unto the booths, For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto the day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. According to the ordinance is what that amounts to. According to the law is what it says. So you see, they they returned to it. They heard it. Their hearts leaped, and they were glad therein. And that's, again, exactly, exactly the, the way in which uh, we are today. Again, folks, this, this is, is exciting stuff. To think that, bless God, that, you know, we had got ourselves in a position of thinking that everything was okay with where we was at. Then all of a sudden, uh, we found out that, bless God, that, you know, it, it wasn't okay. And things there, there were deeper places with God to get. And bless God, uh, that's just the way it happened. Let's look in John 7, John the 7th chapter of John. And let's look here. It says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand. So there, there again, there's the fact that they were still keeping it, uh, right up into this time. Now, I realize that when Yeshua came and the problems that they had, well, bless God, was a, you know, it was, a, it was a, you know, obviously a different, uh, a different uh, setting. But the fact of it is, when you begin to realize how important that this, this festival was then and still is, still is today. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, Sukkot symbolizes several uh, major uh, principles and, and I want to, uh, to cover them the, this evening. Uh, one of the principles is to, is to remind uh, is a reminder that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness after the Lord led them out of the land of Egypt and they pitched tents or temporary huts that they called tabernacles or booths. Okay, that was the number one thing. Number two, the booth is a reminder of the temporary endurance of material buildings as opposed to what uh, the the the, the, uh, the permanent and abiding strength of our Lord. And the heavenly shelter he promises, unless God be for us, no dwelling can save us. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out 
Again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer request. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Thank you.